The views expressed in this program are those of the participants. He's right, you know. This thing gets out and they're ready with a response. That's front page material for weeks. It's front page news either way. If his staff wants to minimize damage, they'll step back and let me do my job. <laughs> step back? These are politicians. They can't order at a restaurant without two compromises and an ultimatum. Welcome, everyone. It is Thursday, August 19th, 2021. I'm Bob Metz, and this is Just Right, broadcasting around the world and online. Join us for an hour of discussion that's not right-wing. It's Just Right. Fade into color, color into black and white. Under the bedclothes, everything will be Politicians, two compromises and an ultimatum. Well, that's just one of many cynical and justified views that people have about politicians. Unfortunately, some carry their cynicism too far. Whether intentionally or not, they dismiss politics altogether, or worse, demonize those fighting for freedom through the political process. The most outspoken and well-known cynic in this regard is, of course, Canada's own Chris Skye, whose efforts in spreading accurate knowledge about the COVID pandemic, masking, lockdowns, and vaccines, you have heard me fully support on this show. But Chris has also unfortunately begun to criticize and attack those who actually support his cause, but who do so on the political front. And this has led to an unfortunate debate about the efficacy of politics, political parties, and politicians themselves. I hope today to address not necessarily misinformation, though there will be some of that, but the misconceptions and out-of-context ideas about the relationship between politics and freedom that many people have. And I'm speaking about people who see themselves as generally being on the right. And we'll get right underway after this reminder that you can write us at feedback at justrightmedia.org, hear us on WBCQ and on Channel 292 Shortwave. Follow and like us on your favorite podcast platform and visit us at justrightmedia.org where you can access all of Just Right social media links and our archive broadcasts. And as always, your financial support is appreciated and is what makes this show possible. Well, some major political developments are now appearing above the horizon. We're having a Canadian federal election in the middle of a war, that war being seen most visibly in the frenzied efforts on the part of our politicians and bureaucrats to promote forced vaccinations and to institute vaccine passports. Justin Trudeau dropped the writ on Sunday for a Canadian federal election to be held on Monday, September 20th. Meanwhile, in the United States, unassailable evidence was released in a 72-hour live marathon event organized by Mike Lindell, where, on several different fronts, he demonstrated that the last American election was stolen by the Democrats and that Trump actually won in the landslide that everyone on both sides of the political divide were predicting before that election. But that's a topic for another day, and I mention it here only because I think it's a major contributor to every other event we're experiencing, to say nothing of events that are transpiring in Afghanistan following Biden's sudden withdrawal of troops ahead of an agreed schedule. 
It's an endless list of distractions, from COVID to climate change to elections themselves. So because of the imminent election now upon us, I decided to address this issue right now in the hopes that it might mitigate some unnecessary damage to the freedom efforts being undertaken by various differing groups. Now, I recall back around July 2nd getting a lot of emails with links from various listeners alerting me to an apparent dispute that occurred on Canada Day in Ottawa between, of all people, Chris Skye, Maxime Bernier, Randy Hillier, and apparently Mark Friesen over whether or not Chris was to speak at an event there organized by and the Lockdown Coalition. Nothing I was hearing about the dispute really made any sense to me at the time. And then I watched a July 2nd episode of Stu Peters featuring an interview with Chris Skye. And in that interview, Skye said a number of things about Maxime Bernier, Randy Hillier, and others that seemed really out of character for all concerned, including Chris Skye. Why were they fighting with each other when they should all be on the same side and working together? There were too many contradictions and inconsistencies and too little factual information for me to properly assess the issue. But then, to my surprise, on July 13th, none other than Mark Friesen himself, who hosts his own Grizzly Patriot and Forum for Canadian Sovereignty sites, also appeared on Stu Peters' show with an entirely different narrative than the one told by Chris Skye. And Stu Peters offered each of them an opportunity to give their side of the issue. So I thought we should kick off with the essential parts of that exchange right away. And this is from the Stu Peters show of July 13. I'm joined by Chris Skye and, of course, Mark Friesen. There was some controversy surrounding a recent appearance when Chris Skye appeared on this platform, giving an account of what happened at an event in Canada. Chris Skye has now been accused of cutting off children's choirs and hijacking an event. I did receive a message on Facebook at the Stu Peters Show uh, business page or public page, whatever it is, in our inbox from Mark Friesen disputing Chris Skye's account of that event. Of course, always seeking the truth. We are here to bring it. I will also mention that I was contacted by Mike Phillip, who is the host of American Uck Radio on Mojo 50, who apparently had you on as well, Mark, uh, talking about this particular event. Yeah, I appreciate that, Stu, and, and really it is about the truth. And so when I, I watched the uh, segment with Chris and yourself on July 2nd, my perspective is considerably different. I'm the founder of the Forum for Canadian Sovereignty. We've been active for probably 18 years in this realm of globalism and, and opposing it. When lockdowns came, I organized the first Canada Day in this time that we find ourselves in, and that was last year, so a little over a year ago. And so there was a committee formed for this year. They asked me to be part of it, help promote it. So I gladly accepted. So within the committee, within the organization committee, nobody had ever said that Chris Guy was going to be speaking. In fact, I was provided with a speaker's list about two weeks before the event. And I looked at the list and, of course, Chris Guy's name wasn't on it. And so I, I brought that up in one of the Zoom calls that we had with the committee. And I asked, is there a particular reason Chris Guy isn't on the list? The committee's response was that, that they are putting together an event with a very careful message, message of, of Canadian culture, our heritage, how we built this country. And this is the message that we all the speakers were, were given. This is, this is what we want to present. And Chris's message didn't fit that narrative, didn't fit that messaging. And so we, they didn't think that Chris was a good fit. And I said, okay, I can respect that. However, Chris is a very large voice. Chris has been in this fight for a long time. He has a good message in terms of the freedom 
message in Canada and freedom rallies and protests. He's leveraged a lot of big media. And quite frankly, if we say no, there's going to be problems. There's going to be drama. So just recognize that. And, and, and that was what I left it at. So at no time was Chris invited, to my knowledge, by anybody. On Monday the 28th at 10.30 p.m., uh, my time, 12.30 a.m., Kellyanne Wolf's time, she contacted me, which is one of Chris's cohorts, I guess, basically begging and threatening to make sure that Chris Sky is on the list, which I find very interesting because this documentation that I've been in receipt of prior to this interview showing that some message from No More Lockdowns, a no reply email address saying that Chris is in fact invited. This was during the day on Monday. If that was true and Chris was in fact invited through this email, which I question, why would she then need to call me to make sure that Chris is invited and to make sure that we try to get him on the speakers list? Actually, in the interim, there was a flyer that was created with Chris Guy's name on it. And on the flyer, it shows the parliament. Our event was at the Supreme Court. The flyer that went out with Chris names Scott Chris Chris's name on it had the parliament in the background so they were promoting their event which was going to happen at 3 p.m after our event finished so Chris shows up to the event where we're doing the event Chris is there and there's trouble happening on the other side of the stage with Chris and a few of the other people Herbert Hildebrand who was the stage manager and lead organizer I went over to talk to them to find out what was happening I asked Chris what's going on he said they won't let me speak I said well Henry or Herbert, we have to let him speak. We'll give him five minutes. I looked at Chris, we'll get you on. Chris said, okay, thank you. And that was the end of it, I thought. Then something happened with Randy Hillier. There was some more happening on stage. There was interruptions. So Randy Hillier went over, said something to Chris Guy. I wasn't present, so I can't say what was said. I've seen the video. He say. told him to go F himself. Yeah, something along those lines is what I'm hearing. Uh, that, of course upset Chris I see Chris getting upset I went back over Chris don't worry about what Randy says you're gonna get your time you're gonna get your time to speak because I could see what was happening it was it was it was moving toward chaos and I'm trying to save the event so we move forward Chris gets his time to speak but he's there's something else happening I went back over again it's actually on video where I came in from behind Chris and I told him specifically, you are speaking right after Derek Sloan. Derek was up shortly at that point because we needed to get Chris to say what he needs to say so he could let the rest of the event go on without being disrupted. And so Chris got his five minutes. We told him it was five minutes. I think at that point, <clears throat> at the five minute mark, somebody cut his mic, which I think is inappropriate. I don't think you do that at this type of thing. I, I think it was in just bad, bad optics. Just, I agree. You don't do that to people. You don't cut their mic. Anyways, his mic was put back on. He finished his speak and then he, his speech and then he and then he took off and and that was that. Um, you know, there's a lot of people. He mentioned in your interview that the only reason people were there to were to listen to Chris Guy. Well, I disagree. There was a lot of people on this list. Henry Hildebrand, $200,000 in fines for trying to keep his church open. We had Randy Hillier, who's been kicked out of the Conservative Party of, of Ontario for standing up for his principles. We have Maxine Bernier, who was arrested prior to attending a, a rally and giving a speech. 
and leader of the PPC. In fact, Tucker Carlson spoke with spoke with Max. We had Derek Sloan, who was kicked out of the federal conservative party. These aren't establishment politicians. These are guys that are have stepped out of the establishment to defend our freedoms. Any politician that's willing to do that at, at great consequence, I'm going to support, and we should support them. We had the Police on Guard, which is an organization of retired and, and active service members across the country who are going against what they're being asked to do at a, at a, at a police service level. We have to support those people and give them an opportunity to speak. And people were there to listen to those folks. We have the Canadian Frontline Nurses Group that was there to speak. So there's a lot of people that were there that to speak their truth and speak truth to power. And there was a lot of people in the audience that were there to listen to them. This isn't a Chris Sky movement. This is a freedom movement. And this event turned into, you know, a bit of a, uh, I don't want to swear on your show, but way too much chaos out of ego, and and that's my problem. And and so this truth needed to be discussed on your show, Stu, and I appreciate the opportunity to do that. All right, so um, Chris, you've heard what Mark has to say. First of all, they said it was a non-lockdown event. The organizers, Randy Hillier's group, is called No More Lockdowns, but it wasn't an anti-lockdown event, number one. The, that's the first lie exposed right there. So, boom. Number two, the only reason I wasn't on the speakers list two weeks prior is because up until June 16th, due to the stay-at-home order in Ontario, I was barred from speaking at any public events in Ontario. So after speaking with my lawyer, they told me I was allowed to speak. The reason I chose to speak at the Supreme Court and not Parliament Hill was because Parliament Hill turned into you got to wear orange and only celebrate if you hate Canada. And that's not the message that I was trying to spread. So on June 28th, Kellyanne Wolf reached out to no more lockdowns, Randy Hillier's group, and they emailed back saying in no uncertain terms, yes, Chris can speak at the Supreme Court. And just because you saw only a screenshot, that doesn't mean the email doesn't have exist. I sent Stu a forward of the actual email with the timestamp. Even though you talk about all these wonderful speakers on the speakers list, not one of other person was mentioned on any of your flyers, any of the so-called official or unofficial flyers. There was only one name on all those flyers, Chris Sky in big red letters. So to say that I wasn't going to be speaking is ridiculous. So basically, you guys used me to promote the event, bring up a large number of the people. I never said every single person was there to see me. But enough of them were there to see me that the only way I got to speak, it was not because of you. That's another lie, Mark. It was because I asked the people and the people had to literally chat, let Chris speak until you guys let me speak. And the reason Randy Hillier ran over and bumped me and told me to go F myself is because he knew I had the email from him inviting me to come. And rather than be a man instead of a lying, phony politician and admit it, what did he do? He doubled down and made a video where he explicitly looks into the eyes of his supporters through the camera and states, I was never invited, and they wouldn't have invited anybody like me in my questionable past and blah, blah, blah. And you're just the same because you said to your knowledge, that's your way of covering your ass. You try to pretend you're a freedom fighter, you're a politician. You're a part of the PPC. Granted, you got 600 votes in your last election and the winner got 30,000, and you guys are trying to pretend like you have this political solution. Even if you got 10 times the support, you're still in last place. Now let's talk about why you guys really didn't want me to speak. What was so contrary to your message? What did I say that didn't fit your narrative? 
It's my message of united non-compliance. That means everybody, the people coming together, taking off their masks, opening their business, just saying no to the vaccine, and that's how this pandemic ends. But you and your politicians don't like that idea because united non-compliance gives the power to the people and makes politicians irrelevant. And when the people don't need a politician or wait for an election and they can do things themselves, you guys don't even exist because like parasites, you can't survive without a host. Without the people needing you, supporting you with money and their vote, you're nothing. You're nobody. You don't even exist. And that's why you're up there. And talk about questionable past. You want to talk about Maxine Bernier pretending like he's some non-establishment politician? In 2005, he was the head of the Sustainable Development Committee in uh, the conservative government. And even after Stephen Harper defunded the program in 2006, your buddy Maxine partnered with George Soros and the Tides Foundation, even though it wasn't government funded and tried to find ways for, to use the government to put sustainable development, a.k.a. Agenda 2030 policies, down Canadians' throat at the government level to subvert us. In 2008, when he was our foreign affairs minister, he gave $550 million of our tax dollars to Haiti, where his daddy was the ambassador until 2001. And then in 2010, what did he do? Mr. Anti-Globalist, Anti-Establishment, did everything he could to get us a member seat on the UN Security Council and is quoted as saying that we need more integration with the UN as it's integral to Canada's future. Oh, that's an anti-globalist right there. And now that he's the so-called freedom fighter trying to represent, you guys tried to talk trash about me writing a book, a book that tried to teach people that this is a scam, shows people how to overcome propaganda, shows people how to end this with united non-compliance, Meanwhile, you have people selling face masks with the PPC logo and giving you percentage of the profits directly to Maxine Bernier. You could laugh all you want. It's right on the website. There's a disclaimer, and it says profits go to Maxine Bernier. That's what politicians do when you kick them right in the ass. They laugh like it doesn't matter. So smile again, Mark. Let us know how you really feel. And you tried to pretend like, oh, they cut my mic by accident? No. They cut my mic on purpose. They cut my mic right as I was talking about united non-compliance, right as I was talking about the actual message that will end this pandemic, but it will also end their political careers. And now Randy Hillier is so pathetic, he made that video where he lied directly to his supporters and sent it out from the same email where they sent me the invite. So we got some very, very telling emails, videos, and everything else to prove that not only was I invited, that you guys set it up so you could use me to promote your event, and then you wanted to hijack the freedom movement and turn it into a political campaign. And when I did what I always do, stand up for myself, stand up for truth, justice, and expose the deceivers and the corrupt, you did what every politician always does. You lied. You lied like the spineless, phony cowards you are. And you lie because all that matters to you guys is money and power. You guys don't want united non-compliance because that will set the people free. You don't want to set the people free. You don't want the people to be in control. You just want to be the ones to manage the takeover of Canada. That's every politician. They want to be the ones in charge managing the takeover that's going on. You don't want to stop it. You want to pretend that if people voted conservative, NDP, or anyone else, we wouldn't have been in lockdown right now? Of course we would. The only way through this is the people. And you're trying to subvert the people with lies. And the, you, the so-called People's Party, when I asked you guys on stage, why don't you let me ask the people if they want me to speak? You said vehemently no. Shane Marshall of the Liberty Coalition literally tried to rip it out of my hand. So the People's Party didn't even want to give the people a choice of who they want to speak. 
That's the kind of people you are trying to tell people who's allowed to speak, trying to tell people what message we're allowed we to convey. That's you guys. And you guys got caught with your pants down. And now you're trying to interrupt me because you're even more desperate and you're going to get muted because nobody cares what you have to say because you got exposed for the phony people that you are. 600 votes. Well, work real hard, Mark. Maybe you'll get 3,000 this time. I'm not going to mute anybody because uh, I don't believe in cutting people's mics off or muting people. I think everybody should have the opportunity to speak. So, uh, Mark, you heard what Chris had to say to that. You say what? Listen, um, Chris is very narrow minded. All right. If he thinks that his single narrative of no more lockdowns is going to work, just look at Ontario. It's still under restrictions. It's still in a in a in in under tyranny based on that 95% to 98% of people are still got diapers on their face they choose to do that your message as important as it is and i don't disagree with it and here's a maybe a potential politician who is agreeing with your message chris but it's very limited it's not going to reach the mainstream the mainstream still believes in the political system we have to leverage the political system in order to get the message to the people so they understand what this all is because this isn't about a lockdown this isn't about a virus this isn't about any of that this is all cover to push the, the globalist agenda, sustainable development agenda, great reset. You know yeah, that as well as I do. Right. So I'm going to use, and we need to use every platform given to us, which is precisely why I'm in the in getting into politics and using that platform to educate as many people as possible because 95% of Canadians still believe in that and that's where we're going to reach them. Chris, you're limited in your scope, you're limited in your message and who you're going to affect and inspire. I don't say don't do it because it's important what you're doing, but we need to use all available platforms. All right. And and, so, and just to speak quickly on the very PPC and, and Chris mm-hmm. and what he's been saying about the PPC and Max, that was 2005. You basically identified everything that we've said all along since the inception of the PPC, which is that that is the conservative party where Max was under the thumb of Harper. Everything Max did was in representation of Harper. That's exactly where we are. Max left that party three years, four years ago because it was corrupt. It was intellectually corrupt and morally corrupt. And it was globalist. Max left, created his own party, and we are the party that opposes globalism. All right, I got to get step on in board, here, Mark. Help gotta, us get the I message. I got to step out. in here, Mark. Okay, Chris. Final words. Regardless of his little attempt to try to change the topic, even though it was all about if I'm a liar or not, and we thoroughly proved that I'm not the liar, they are the liar. It, to, just to answer what he said about how my thing is a narrow scope. Look at the United States of America, Mark. They're, they're making laws that are against face masks. They're making laws that are against the vaccine passport. Why? Because the people stood up for themselves, took off Who their masks, and opened their business. Stop interrupting. Enough is enough. I've stood up with enough with you pathetic losers. So shut up. Wow. Talk about rude. And unnecessarily so. Chris wasn't doing himself any favors with that exchange. I actually wrote to Mark Friesen on July 13th after I watched that entire exchange. Hello, Mark. Just writing to give you two thumbs up regarding your appearance on Stu Peters, wherein you addressed my own very concerns about what happened at the Ottawa rally in question, and about Chris Skye himself. Like you, I very much admire Chris, his message, and his courage in confronting the outrageous reality and criminality of the entire COVID scam. But it was most disappointing to witness his utterly unwarranted attack on your character, on the PPC, and on Max Bernier, etc., On his previous interview with Stu, 
Sky claimed, and I'm paraphrasing here, that freedom has nothing to do with politics, a perspective so outrageous that its inherent contradiction can only be seen as his Achilles heel in terms of any effort to reestablish freedom. Of course, the reality is that if it's not about freedom, it's not about politics either. And even if Chris was successful in persuading everyone to return to normal, desirable but highly unlikely, that would not re-establish a condition of freedom, particularly given the current precedents set. And Mark wrote me back to say, quote, I respect and appreciate your perspective, Bob. If that is the takeaway for a lot of people, that politics has to play a pivotal role in taking back our country, then mission accomplished, end quote. And that is the basic mission of our show today. Now, on that exchange we just heard, Chris Guy claimed the first lie that he exposed is that a group calling itself No More Lockdowns dared to hold an event with a broader perspective beyond the single issue. How this constitutes a lie is beyond me. Chris's argument's a non sequitur. Mark explained very clearly what the planned theme of the event was, an event that, by the way, Sky acknowledges was not organized by him, but by other people with slightly varying agendas and perspectives. Given the list of speakers who were there, this made sense to me. Not only that, but Chris acknowledges his absence on a speaker's list owing to his legal inability to participate. But upon subsequent legal advice, says Sky, the reason I chose to speak at the courthouse instead of Parliament Hill was because he didn't like the conditions put on him at that event, which only supports Mark's statement that Parliament Hill did indeed appear on a poster with Sky and that Sky was planning to be there which he himself, in this very statement, confirmed. When Skye says that his name was the only one used to promote the event on a given poster, that story doesn't jibe with either Maxime Bernier or Mark Friesen's account of the event. I'm as suspicious about that email as was Mark Friesen. And then Chris Skye accuses Mark of lying about his inviting Skye to speak. But Mark was talking about the period before the event, during a Zoom call with event organizers. And Sky is talking about what happened after he had already been able to speak and was cut off, and that was when he encouraged a crowd to let him speak, which they did. But that had nothing to do with Mark Friesen's invitation. They're two separate events. Mark did not lie, but Sky accused him of lying. And why is that? Then Sky starts revealing some strange motivations on his part by picking on Mark for having gotten 600 votes in the 2019 election versus 30,000 for the winner. I don't know how that makes Mark the bad guy. He accuses him of trying to pretend that he has some political solution. Well, even after having it explained to him, Chris still could not see how his message was not entirely in sync with the messages being expressed by other speakers at the event. A lot of those speakers already followed the recommended advice of Chris, and for doing that, as Pastor Hildebrand would attest, they were fined and imprisoned for doing so, and are now speaking out against the government punishing those who actually followed Chris's advice. The freedom issue is not just about lockdowns and masking, as offensive as those measures are. My message of united non-compliance gives the power to the people and makes politicians irrelevant, says Sky. Well, this is simply not so, because if it were, then the people already have the power, don't they? And his message is irrelevant. Why don't they just do it on their own? His message isn't the thing that's going to motivate them. You know, this idea of the people, quote-unquote, just acting on their own in a political and legal vacuum is nonsensical. 
and accusing Maxime Bernier for acting like a conservative when he was in the conservative party is so completely unreasonable as to be unconscionable, completely irrelevant to Bernier's philosophy being expressed through the PPC. Sky has been completely out of touch with the Maxime Bernier who formed the PPC, an event that occurred significantly before Chris Sky ever appeared on the scene and before the COVID scam was unleashed on the public. I know because I'm a personal witness to this, and you can visit Just Right's YouTube channel to see just exactly what Bernier and the PPC were saying during the last election, long before any lockdowns were even imaginable in the minds of most Canadians. Sky actually accused Bernier of trying to hijack what he sees as his freedom movement, when that movement existed before Sky appeared on the scene, and when the particular event in question on Canada Day was in fact, and admitted to by Sky, organized by no more lockdowns. So who's hijacking whose efforts here? You want to hijack the freedom movement and turn it into a political campaign, he says. You, you did what every politician does, you lied, shouts Sky. And what inf misinformation or non-fact is this lie based on? I don't know. Then he says that Mark tried to pretend that they cut his mic by accident, when it was clear from the recording that we just heard that that's not what Mark said. He said that someone cut the mic and that he thought this was inappropriate. Nothing that Sky was saying made sense, even strictly based on the very exchange we were just listening to. And think about this contradiction. Sky accuses Bernier and Friesen of being liars because all they care about is money and power. But just moments before, Sky made it pretty clear that the PPC was unelectable and therefore not very likely to be in power. I mean, people who are after money and power don't usually form moneyless and powerless political parties. And of course, Sky is claiming that he has the power and is busy selling his books for money. That's okay. Sky argues that the PPC is opposed to non-compliance because it will set the people free and they don't want the people to be free. What a ridiculous thing to say. But in reality, mere non-compliance will free no one because how, I would ask, will non-compliance prevent the coming lockdowns, business restrictions, or CO2 taxes and emission limits over climate change? That's what's coming next. Chris is so cynical about politics that he lumps every politician, quote-unquote, into the same mold, even people who have never been elected but are choosing to feel themselves as candidates in an election, to actually change the things that Chris is supposedly talking about. And Mark accurately demonstrated that Chris's message is not taking root in the mainstream public and showed that the reason that he's running, that Mark's running, is to reach a larger audience with a political platform. Not only that, Mark encouraged Chris to continue doing what he's doing, and at no time has anyone on the PPC side of the equation objected to Chris's book or campaign, as he claimed. And then Sky says, look at the United States of America, they're making laws against face masks, and when Mark points out that the they to which Sky referred is to the American politicians, who are the only people capable of making laws, well, Sky tells him to shut up. Wow. The public can't just make laws without political representation. It's, it's insane. Sky has lost his mind on this one, along with his respect for others who are fighting the right war on a different battlefield. And Chris Sky also didn't do himself any favors when he appeared with David Menzies on the Rebel News on July 14th. He actually walked out during his studio interview with Menzies because Menzies brought to Sky's attention 
some criticism that Rebel News was getting for giving Sky coverage. Apparently, Sky had previously been associated with Holocaust denial. And instead of using the opportunity to address David's question, he walked out on him and accused Rebel Media of setting him up. Now, in my experience, and I've met him, David Menzies is about as friendly a person as you'll ever find in media anywhere. And if you're walking out on him, then something's really got to be wrong, and it's not with David Menzies. And sure enough, it didn't end there. On July 16th, both Chris Skye and Mark Friesen were interviewed by Calgary's Kevin J. Johnson, who himself happens to be running for mayor of Calgary. So on this side of our upcoming bumper break, one more round of Skye's political cynicism, while on the return side, a positive attitude towards political candidacy by none other than Viva Fry's David Freiheit. And you know what a lot of people have in common? They don't give a about politics they're non-voters the non-voter is the largest demographic of canadians more than all the voting bloc put together and i don't need people to vote i don't need you to follow me if i was a political candidate first of all the only reason i would want to be a candidate is so i could get on an equal platform as these people so they couldn't run and hide from me but my slogan my campaign slogan would be don't count on me a real leader (laughs) that's right that would be my slogan because it's not up to me to make your decisions for you. If I was the leader of a country, it's up to me to run a country in a way that allows conditions to be prosperous for you to run your own life and make your own decisions for your family and have a good future and be successful. That's what a real leader does. A real leader doesn't try to micromanage the people. That's a waste of time, money, and resources that can be used to be more efficiently running the country. But you're never going to hear a politician say that. And you're never going to hear someone like Maxime Bernier support united noncompliance because they don't want the people to govern themselves and have that power. Maxime Bernier doesn't want to free you. He wants to be the one to manage the takeover. It's that simple, ladies and gentlemen. All right. So, Chris, like, really, what is stopping you from putting your name on the ballot like I did? I mean, obviously, I... I don't think that you're afraid of seven weeks of jail time like I just got for polling number one. So what is stopping you from putting your name in as a political candidate? Number one, I hate politics. I hate politicians. Number two, uh, to be honest, not much, except the fact that they would probably try to assassinate me. That doesn't really bother me. But I don't like the idea of having to become a politician just to reach the people to get them to realize they don't need a politician to save them. <laughs> like It's just mind-blowing to me because my entire message is you don't need a politician to save you. You can save yourselves. And if you save yourselves and you act like me and you learn from me, it doesn't matter who they put in power. If they try to do this stupid stuff and everybody just says no, it doesn't matter who's in power. They're not going to be able to do it. They have to, govern the, they have to govern the country in the way that people allow. That's why the United States is open and we're not. They stood up for themselves. We didn't. It's that simple. But yeah, if I could get a million Canadians to donate to a lawyer's escrow, even $1 each, and I knew that I had the support of at least 1 million Canadians, then I would create a political party and I would fill the ridings and I would take over this country officially and unofficially just to prove that I could. I've never voted in my life. You hear that, everybody? I've never voted in my life. Why? Because every candidate... It looks like a turd sandwich to me. So if I serve you a plate with four different types of poop on it, and I tell you one's dog, one's cat, one deer, and one human, choose one to eat. Are you going to choose the one that you believe is the least disgusting? 
Or are you going to simply say, sorry, I don't eat poop? Well, we're, we're hoping that it's the latter of the two. But well, I still that's think- what I've been doing my whole life. But I hear everybody else when they go and vote say, I'm voting for the less of the two evils or the less of the three evils. You're still voting for evil. And then when they act evil and corrupt, you're like, damn, why are they acting evil and corrupt? You knew they were evil and corrupt, but you still gave them your money, your support, and the authority to make your decisions for you. So what did you think was going to happen, ladies and gentlemen? Okay, so Chris, you're right to say that. Put your name in the hat to run for mayor of Edmonton, and if mayor's if nothing, win, I would. If I had to run for something, it'd have to be prime minister of Canada to make the impact. Because I need to be on that type of platform. That's why right. I care. The only reason I would care to be a candidate is to get on a mainstream platform where I can a debate these people and show you how brain dead, how phony, how callous, and how they have not your best interests at heart. But once again, my message would be don't count on me, and my message would be united noncompliance. Only I'd be able to scream it from a mainstream platform on all the TV stations, and they wouldn't be able to run and hide from it or call me crazy or call it an illegitimate idea. And it's the only valid solution to this problem. There is no political solution to this problem. And that's the entire point. That's the only reason a political candidacy makes any sense. So I would have a platform, a legitimate and large platform, to speak what I've been speaking this entire time. We have support. The anti-lockdown movement and United Con Compliance has support all over the country, every age group, every ethnicity, every political affiliation, and that's what's scaring the crap out of these phony politicians, these phony media people, and all these phony experts. All right. Well, Chris, you're, you're right. They are terrified of you. They are afraid of Laura Lynn, Tyler Thompson, Michael Lorana, me. Obviously, I just did too much. I'm jail. sorry. I got to yep. run because I was supposed to be sound check on another show right now. I love you, man. Take care of yourself. We'll see you then. Enjoy. Cheers, it. guys. I've been writing this speech in my head over the last year, year and a half with greater frequency as it became clear that this was what I was going to have to be doing with my life. And if you asked me a year ago or five years ago or 10 years ago, if I ever seriously thought I would actually be doing this, I would have said sure as sugar, no, but life is very weird in that sometimes you pick your path and other times your path picks you. Now, for those of you who don't know me, I'm known on the interwebs as Viva Fry, the Montreal litigator turned YouTuber. My name is David Freiheit. I'm a Montreal litigator turned YouTuber. And look, I wrote this shirt, Politics Ruins Everything. And when I first started this channel, I wanted nothing to do with politics. I wanted to know nothing of politics. When I started this channel, it was the distraction. It was the cathartic relief from the practice of law that I was doing as, you know, a job, as my life. I was a lawyer. I was a lawyer who never particularly loved the practice, who found it to be incessant, unrelenting, unhealthy stress, and this channel was my relief from that stress. I started off making quirky videos, um, and at one point I started making daily vlogs, and at one point I started making a little money with the channel, and I was like, okay, well, I can give up law at some point, hopefully, and, and pursue this passion. I quickly realized the degree to which politics and law overlap. I never fully appreciated it before. I always thought law existed in abstractum. 
Politics had nothing to do with law. Politics had nothing to do with law enforcement. Politics was, you know, for Washington, for Ottawa, and that's it. But I quickly learned in doing the vlogs, the V-L-A-W-G-S, that politics, uh, while it ruins everything, it also infiltrates everything. It was really only after the lockdowns, at the beginning of COVID, that I began to realize the world around me was changing in a way where I could, not that I'm getting political, but where I could no longer remain uh, s silent. As this uh, COVID stuff, I was about to say nonsense, but I have to try to remain respectful and apolitical until I'm going to get a little heated under the collar, which doesn't exist on this shirt. As the COVID nonsense got progressively more and more nonsensical, excessive, tyrannical, uh, and I started to see the very world in which I live change for the worse, change for the tyrannical. Uh, I, I started making a lot of videos on it and I started commenting on it a lot. The more I saw how politics is ruining politics and it's ruining the very fabric of our Canadian society. And it's not just Canada, to be fair. We're seeing it in Australia, we're seeing it in the UK, we're seeing it throughout the world. A slow drip drip of total control being exercised by the governments of the world over the people of the world. And as I broke down and dissected and analyzed more and more of these lawsuits, I noticed that the courts are deferential to the politicians. The politicians, they consider themselves to be a class above and beyond the lowly hoi polloi, the citizenry, uh, the citizenry who must abide by the rules that these politicians impose, but the politicians themselves always manage to find exceptions for them, their loved ones, and their connected friends and family. At some point, uh, I said, if I'm going to complain, I'd better try to do something if I'm going to complain, which brings us full circle. I'm running for Member of Parliament for the People's Party of Canada. Maxime Bernier's party, PPC, French Parti Populaire de Canada, I said, that is it. I can no longer just sit by and watch my present and my future and the future of my kids and the future of my friends and the future of my kids' friends and the future of my friends' kids be absolutely sacrificed and absolutely disregarded by government which is either incompetent, malicious, or a combination of the two. I, I can no longer sit by and not try to have a voice, not try to participate, not try to influence that conversation. So I'm running. I'm running against Marc Garneau, who is the Minister of Transport or Foreign Affairs. I, he was bounced around in the Trudeau cabinet. I'm running against him in the district of Westmount and Notre-Dame-de-Grâce, which if I understand correctly, in the last federal election, there was something like 55,000 votes cast in this district. The PPC got 550-some-odd, which was their first time uh, in the federal elections, 2018. So they got about 1%, which, you know, for a brand new party is, uh, is what it is. Especially a brand new party that is basically competing with the Conservatives. Now, getting to other things that I've seen and how I picked the PPC in particular, I don't consider myself to be a conservative, period. And there's no but to that. 
I do not consider myself to be a conservative. I do not consider myself to be a liberal. I think that these political brands, these political labels are absolutely useless, except to allow others to demonize or, uh, what is the word, tribalize based on these labels. I have political views which are both conservative and liberal, and I do not consider myself to be a conservative. Unless the world has now finally told me that believing in individual rights and liberty, opposing lockdowns, opposing mandatory vaccines, opposing vaccine passports, opposing curfews, opposing shutting down businesses and destroying people's lives under the hopes that you can somehow control a virus. If someone tells me that that's conservative, I guess in your mind, in that person's mind, I'm conservative, but I do not consider myself to be conservative. I consider myself to be the defender of the greatest minority on earth, to quote Ayn Rand, the individual. Anybody who does not support individual rights the individual being the smallest minority on earth cannot be said to be protecting any minority rights. And when I look at the way the country is going, in the response to the pandemic, how we got here, how we dealt with it when it got here, and what all political parties are doing right now, which is nothing less than reveling in their newfound power, usurpation of every aspect of citizens' lives. When I saw that happening, there was only one party left to join. I don't care what my political affiliation was, unless I supported these things, there was only one party to join, and that is the People's Party of Canada. You're listening to Just Right, broadcasting around the world and online. What David Freiheit just said was a concise and very eloquent rebuttal to the eloquent cynicism of Chris Guy. Politics is ruining politics. I mean, what a great way of framing a political issue. The problem, though, is not politics per se, it's that most of the people who pursue political office are ideologically on the left, whether they call themselves liberals, conservatives, democrats, greens, or a host of others, with the exception of the People's Party of Canada, a party, by the way, that has yet to prove itself and therefore cannot be condemned for falling to the dark side. <laughs> and it pains me, oh man, it just pains me to hear Chris Guy literally repeat many messages I've shared over the years, both on this show and through my involvement with the Freedom Party of Ontario. By voting for the lesser of a given number of evils, you're still voting for evil. I can't count how many times I've written or spoken those very words. But why does it never occur to anyone to A, create a political party, or feel the candidate that is good, <laughs> or to B, vote for such a candidate? Any party or candidate who truly understands and represents individual rights would qualify. Chris also noticed that most people don't give a crap about politics, and he's completely right. And yet that's another message that appeared on Freedom Party's first door-to-door -door recruitment literature. Maybe politics doesn't interest you. Maybe freedom does. <laughs> you know, it's amazing how people keep reinventing these same concepts. The irony, and sometimes tragedy, about people who are not interested in politics is that whether they are or not, politics is always interested in them and in everything they may produce, earn, or own. Government is the single most expensive thing in everyone's life, and non-compliance, especially when it comes to paying your taxes, is simply not an option. United non-compliance, the only valid solution to this problem. There is no political solution to this problem, Sky keeps repeating. And he keeps talking about this problem. And for him, there is only one problem in the whole world, the COVID problem and all that it implies. 
But if you look at the problem as being those very politicians who've taken over our governments with agendas of total state control over our lives, then the problem will never even be seen by simple non-compliance. Government has all the big guns. The citizens don't. Chris Guy says that the two reasons he won't get into politics are, number one, I hate politicians. Number two, I don't like the idea of having to become a politician just to reach the people to get them to realize they don't need a politician. Well, that says a lot and explains a lot about Chris's attitude and unnecessary confrontations with those who do choose to participate in political action. You know, you don't become a politician to do away with politics. Politics is the process that initiates or ceases legislation. You become a politician to create or eliminate laws. In most of the places that Chris Guy cites where stores are open and there's no masking or social distancing, it is primarily because those are jurisdictions in which the politicians have created a legal environment in which such freedoms are cultivated. Non-compliance is mere perpetual civil disobedience. And you know, ironically, it requires that a law against which one is not complying must actually exist. Without such a law, non-compliance is a non-concept. And so if you get rid of the law through political action, maybe that's what Chris Guy doesn't really like. We have grown accustomed in government to systemic and institutionalized corruption. So much so that when it's on our side, we'll say it's good politics. When it's on the other side, we'll say it's corruption. We will tolerate the corruption of our own as pure tribalist mentality would allow one to do to say, yeah, but there is no room for corruption in politics and we have to weed it out right now. And if people want to vote it back in, good. I know where people stand, people know where I stand and I will firmly oppose it to the bitter end until I decide what my future holds in wherever I see my future in the future. But it is time now for Viva, for David, Fr David Freyhead to take the debate to the politicians I will continue to put out the content to educate in as best I think I can and in as best I can everyone out there so that people out there can make their own educated decisions. But I am now going to go out and take the fight to the politicians, the fight for civil rights, the fight for individual rights, the fight to live your own life and not be micromanaged by an ever-knowing government. People say, why don't I trust the government? Let's just say I don't trust anybody. For the same reason I wouldn't necessarily trust private enterprise for certain things, I won't trust the government for certain things. The government is the necessary evil and as such needs to be kept to the absolute minimal necessary evil. Hi, it's Mike Bear with Free Speech Media. I'm here at Queen's Park. It is Saturday, May the 15th, 2021. and 2021. And we're here with Mark Emery. Mark, uh, what brings you out today? What, why are you here? Give us your message. You know, in my lifetime, I've tried to legalize Sunday shopping, was successful at that, legalized cannabis, books on cannabis, medical cannabis, got all that done. Never did I think that in the year 2021, all the freedoms I would take for granted have disappeared. Can't mobilize, can't go to another province, can't travel, can't assemble, don't have free speech, can't put what we want on social media because it gets censored. So we're living in a time where everything I took for granted 
dining in a restaurant, walking the streets, going to a park, going into a building without having a mask on. All these things are gone. And it's happened, disappeared without a trace, with hardly any protests, without hardly any whimpers, and certainly no one in Parliament at all has been good. Randy Hillier's been awesome in the Provincial Parliament. Max Bernier is terrific, came here to see him today. I'm running as a People's Party candidate in London North Centre. And I'm going to excoriate my fellow citizens for letting this usurpation of our rights happen right under their nose. And the worst way to, in fear, in fear of death, you cannot enjoy life if you fear death. I don't. I haven't done anything differently. I shake hands, I share joints, I do everything for the last year since I did my 70 days of quarantine. I stayed inside from March 10th last year to May 20th and then out and then I realized it was all a fraud, it's all a hoax, none of the science has been followed, none of the science is legit and uh, it wouldn't even matter if the science was legit because my rights don't get abrogated because some scientist or doctor or politician says so. Freedom is the crisis we have here. It's not health. You know, on the bus it says, do not use the bus except for essential travel. Only for essential travel. Like a terrible business model. Don't use our bus. Don't come on here unless essential travel. Well, every anything you want to do in life as an autonomous human being is essential. Your decision making is essential. Your freedom of choice is essential. A dictatorship is not essential. Now, what is it about the People's Party of Canada? What are what are their values that you like? What what drew you to towards the People's Party? Well, the great thing is is that their values are my values. So uh, I'm against critical race theory. I'm against all this crazy lunatic gender ideology nonsense and encouraging children to think they're born in the wrong body. That's an abomination. It's all this Marxism that they've been teaching people in the universities for 25, 30 years has come home to roost, and then suddenly all the Marxists show up like like the Tet Offensive in Cyber in 1968. It's just that all of a sudden we've got public health officials that are Marxists, teachers that are Marxists, corporate executives that are MBAs that are Marxists. These people are all so woke and dangerous. And we're in a cultural war. It's going to be a civil war sooner or later between the Marxists and the free speech and the free market people, the capitalists, because our way is the way of prosperity and freedom and freedom of choice, freedom of association. And the woke one is one of cancel culture, intimidation, endless criticism, endless division, endless negativity, and endless up of our children with these crazy ideologies that our teachers are teaching them because they were taught in university and now the system is so corrupt that it's, it cannot be saved. If I were in office I would defund all the universities that teach the humanities. I would simply refuse to fund all public schools where they teach critical race theory or gender ideology and all this horrible woke shit that's got to be gotten rid of and to that degree uh, the People's Party and I agree on everything. Let me give you one final question. You've been fighting for freedom for a long time. How do you stay optimistic? I don't even know if I'm optimistic. I was going to say, if people ask me, I would say the war is already lost. The Marxists have probably won. Um, but I've enjoyed being uh, a freedom fighter since I read Ayn Rand in 1979. Best thing that ever happened to me 42 years ago. And I've enjoyed life. I've en I appreciate it. I'm a capitalist. I've had fun. Uh, I believe in enjoying life, and to me, Ayn Rand is to be thanked for that. Well, they, they, you hit the nail on the head right here. This is all about collectivism. This is what collectivism is. This is the fascist authoritarians that are bringing right. in these lockdowns, these totalitarian policies. They're copied from China. Yes, right, this well, is all China's a terrible 
role model that we may have to confront soon. Um, how these weakling Canadian young people are going to ever confront the communist Chinese is beyond me. If they're wor- if you're worried about pronouns, then you're the first to get you know assimilated by the communist Chinese because they will just turn you into a oh man, it's going to be terrible. We've got no guts in this country. No. No national pride, no national conviction, no determination. Very few people in this country, I think, among citizens, would die for liberty. And I think that's a, a thing we're going to see. A lot of people would gra- gladly surrender to any force, whether domestic or foreign, um, if it required them to take a stand. What, where's the path forward? What do we need to do? How do we get out of this? You just you have to enjoy being right. You have to enjoy being moral. You have to enjoy being uh, politically involved. I enjoy it. Sure, it's dirty, cynical. Nothing good ever happens from politics. But it's a matter of self-defense. You've got to be in there to fight for yourself. I'm fighting for me. And by, as a result, I'm fighting for anybody else who believes in what I believe in. But I'm fighting for my own freedom. But now I have to fight for my own freedom in all the ways I took for granted. Assembly, speech, uh, social media, everything has been abrogated. Mobility by this federal government and their provincial lackeys. That's awesome. Thank you so much, Mark. Yeah, you're I really welcome. appreciate it. Yeah, I'm looking forward to hearing from Max. <laughs> me too. Couldn't help but notice the Ayn Rand influences cited by both Mark Emery and David Freiheit, to say nothing of Maxime Bernier himself. Perhaps the most significant comment I caught from Mark was his expectation that the war is already lost, the Marxists have probably won. And you know, I think that reflects the feelings of a lot of people on the right. And yet, he continues to make the effort to fight for freedom. But you know something? After hearing that, I thought, well, here's the joke, and it's on us. I think his observation goes far beyond the current lockdown crisis. It could just as easily be argued that the war was already lost and the Marxist won some 50 to 100 years ago. It seemed obvious to me, even back in the days when I first got involved in politics, although I wouldn't have perceived it in Marxist terms. And finally... I can't close off the show without addressing David Freiheit's comment that government is a necessary evil. You hear this all the time. And I understand where this sentiment comes from, but it sets a dangerous mindset. Because while government is a necessity, evil is not. All necessary government is good government. To say that government is by its nature evil is to close the door entirely to the notion of good government. And we're speaking in the moral dimension here, in direct terms of good and evil. And the principles of good government have long been known. And that is a government that enshrines and protects the rights to life, liberty, and property. All that is necessary for evil to win is for good men to do nothing. Well, we'll only get good government when we elect good people. All of the ills currently attributed to governments are not due to the nature of government per se, but to the nature of those sitting in the seats of government power. The systemic and institutional corruption cited by Freiheit is a consequence of viewing government as a necessary evil. I've often said that government is a gun, and in that respect, as an instrument of force, it can be either used to do harm or do good, either for justice or injustice. When considering government as a necessary evil, maybe we should apply that way of describing all tasks and undertakings that require effort, understanding, and a long-term perspective. Like, you know, work is a necessary evil. Like, becoming a candidate in a federal election is a necessary evil. 
or like the necessary evil of being a blogger or podcaster to accomplish a greater mission, or like the necessary evil of making it a habit to listen to our show, a habit which you can develop by joining us again next week when we will continue our journey in the right direction. And until then, be right, stay right, do right, act right, think right, and be right back here. We'll see you then. Fade into color, color into black and white. Under the bedclothes, everything will be alright. If there were a conflict of interests, which side of the civil service really on? The winning side, right? <laughs>